Welcome to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Morning Devotion. Well, this Thanksgiving week in the U.S. anyway, and we give thanks. I give thanks for each of you, Connie and Terrence. Aaliyah, you were the first I saw this morning. Uh, Travis, Brandy, Lasagna, Winnie, Patsy, so many of you so faithful, so faithful here every morning. Thank you for being a part of this. And and each day we see new and new people. Kim, it's good to see you. Karen, Bill, Larice, Terrence, thank you. Thank you for making this a part of your life. Because really without you, it would just be me sitting here. And I, I hear me enough. And so I, I'm happy you're here and you make it special. You know the drill, follow the page, share the page, like the page. Boy, this is a good one today. Gash Moose said it. Oh, my, thank God for false prophets. Yes, this is going to be a good one today. Tuesday, Tuesday, November 24. Wow. Thank you for praying for one another. Loving each other through this year, encouraging one another and building up one another. Don't need any gash moves in this place. No false prophets. But I want to talk to you about those guys today. But before I do, I've got a confession to make. You know, confession's good for the soul, and it's just between you and me. Nobody else is going to hear this. I just got to tell you something. I don't like Thanksgiving sermons. I never have. And I've preached dozens of them. And yes, I didn't like them when I was preaching them. And I'm afraid it shows. I really am. I'm afraid it shows that I don't like Thanksgiving messages. I, I, I love to remind people to have faith in God. I love to encourage people to pray and read the word of God. I love to encourage people to come to grips with the fact that we need change and there's transforming power in the gospel. I love to talk about getting lost in the greatness of God. I love talking about those things, but I don't like talking about gratitude. And I'm sure it's a character flow on my part. And um, I, I guess because I, I despise the redundant and the obvious. Sky's blues, grass green, this is up, that's down. And thankfulness to me is really just synonymous with breathing. To be alive, you've got to be thankful. And to say, this is the day the Lord has made, I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. To me, it's just saying uh, hearts should beat and pulses should throb and minds should think. It's accepted. It's law. It's just the way it is. It's redundant. But I do know that it goes to the heart of who God is, that God is good. We can't realize enough to be grateful, to be grateful. I guess it's just unfathomable to me that anyone could be unthankful so long as you're breathing. Because gratitude is simply the attitude of awareness. We are aware that God is good and that each moment, each day, it's a gift from God. So even for a Bible lover and teacher who doesn't like to talk about Thanksgiving, I can identify a lot of things for which we should be thankful. And I want to elevate one in your hearing today. I know you thank God for life, health, and strength, and I know you thank Him for the roof over your head and the food on the plates and all that, but can I ask you, have you ever thanked God for all the false prophets in your life? Have you ever thanked God for them? 
And we're told in all things to give thanks because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. It's not the will of God that bad things happen. It's not the will of God that terrible things happen, that people uh, prophesy falsely over you. But it is God's will in the midst of it all to give thanks that we never lose that thankful, that thankful spirit. So in the midst of enduring false prophecies and pronouncements, in the spirit of loving your enemies and praying for them, we're just going to give a moment this Tuesday morning to thank God in this Thanksgiving season. We're going to thank God for all the false prophets in our lives. Yeah. There's an old song by Luther Barnes. They said I wouldn't make it. They said I wouldn't be here today. They said I'd never amount to anything. This was a choir song, but I am glad to say that I'm on my way and I'm going more and more each day. There were many that started out with me, but now They've gone astray, but I'm still holding on. I'm still holding on. I'm still holding on to his loving hand. Thank God for all the prophets, all those false prophets who said you'd never make it, you'd never survive. But look at you today. Here we are on Tuesday morning devotion, lifting up the name of the Lord together. I was taking a course of study recently. One of the required books was by a psychologist, Meg Jay, called Supernormals. Um, I, I, I can't say I recommend the book, but I, I tell you, there were some powerful things in the book. The Cradles of, the cradles of Eminence uh, study that I cited in the point of low points. He, uh, she dove deep into that study, and it, it's staggering. It's just staggering. How many people with pain and hurt that were distraught, that had marks against them, that people said they're not going to make it. They're not going to last. They're not going to do anything. The, the cradles of eminence said that they grew up to speak, to be some of the greatest people of the 20th century. So in this book, Supernormals, Meg Jay identifies people with past, people with troubled, lonely, dark past. But those people overcame their past to do extraordinary things, to be high achievers, high performers, super normals. And it got me to thinking of how many times people have told others, you're not going to make it. You'll never be anything. No, you're not going to be worth uh, much, if anything. You'll never triumph over that issue. You will never break the chains of that addiction. Have you heard these false prophecies before? Once a liar, always a liar. Once a thief, always a thief. Once an adulterer, always an adulterer. Once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. Once this, always that. Well, you get the picture. You get the picture. There are people who are always willing to pontificate over others and prophesy over others, to wag their heads and shake their fingers and make pronouncements that sound so wise and so authoritative. But I say, thank God that what they say is not true. Yeah, it's called projection. People project on others their own inadequacies, their own failures, their own shortcomings, their own angers, their own fear. It's a problem. It's a real problem because people, can I just, can I just stop this and just tell you something? What people say about you reveals less about you 
and more about them. Oh, can I get a witness to that? When you hear people talking about other people, they're not saying one thing about those other people. They're revealing their own heart. For from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You need to run away from people who talk about people because they're revealing their own selves and their own problems and their own issues and their own inadequacies. And they're going to drag you down with them because what others think and what others say is not really the way it is. And don't you believe it? Don't you embrace it? Don't you waste one moment in your life over the false prophecies? Because a real prophet, a true person of God, a prophet of prophetess. Jeremiah warned God's people. You know, we're going to be in for some rough years here. Captivity's coming. It's going to be 70 rough years. And Jeremiah said, now there's going to be a lot of people that are prophesying different things among you. They're going to conjure up dreams. And uh, he said, disregard them. Disregard all their predictions, all their spells, all their hexes, all their curses, all their blessings, all their incantation. Don't trust in man's word. Jeremiah said, trust in the word of God. In God we trust. That's what our nation is supposedly founded on, but it's sure what you and I should be founded on. For for years, people have looked into the future wanting to know it, and uh, prophets have arisen claiming to know it. Predictions have abounded. But there's one thing true about fall, uh, prophecy. It's that much of it is false. Yeah. Isaiah 41 through that major prophet, God challenged all the all the false, false prophets. Come on, step forward. Give it your best shot. Say what you think is going to happen. Give proof of the words that you've spoken, that your prophecies, your predictions have come true. Come on, give proof. Crickets, nothing. And Isaiah comes along, says in verse 24, Behold, your words are nothing, you are nothing, and your work is less than nothing. And an abomination is anybody who chooses you. Isaiah said of false prophets, they open their mouth, but what they say is not true. The prophet said, bring out the astrologers, the stargazers, those prognosticators, line them up. Let's see if what they have said amounts to anything. But Isaiah said in 47, 14, they won't amount to anything because they're just stubble, they're straw. They're incinerated quickly by the flame. But what about those who get a special word for the girly from the departed? They're necromancers. They can consult with the spirits of those departed. First of all, you as a child of God, me as a child of God, we should never listen to stuff like that. Isaiah said in chapter 8, they're pointless. How can the supposed dead have any word for the actual living? God said in Isaiah 45, don't ask them, ask me. Don't seek after them, seek me. Don't look to them, look to me. God and God alone knows your tomorrow. Quit depending on others for a word. Look to him. Find a more sure word of prophecy for yourself. He will reveal it to you and it will match up to his word and to his character. Let's talk about false prophets, can we? Just a little bit. One of the signs that we're living in the last days will be the proliferation of false prophets. Jesus said on the Mount of Olives, and many false prophets shall arise, Matthew 24, 11. Many shall arise and shall deceive many. Many false prophets. Don't, don't overlook that quantitative description, many. Compared to the true prophets, there are many false prophets, and they shall deceive many. Yeah. What's the ratio of true to false prophets? 
I'm afraid you're going to find many more false prophets than true ones, many more false messiahs, false Christ to the true living Christ. In the Bible, King Ahab had 400 false prophets to Jehoshaphat's one true prophet in Micaiah. Jezebel had 450 false prophets to Israel's one true prophet, Elijah. No wonder many people throw their hands in despair and say, we're not going to know anything about the future. There's so much false out there. But in the book of God, there's so much truth. Simon Peter says, we have a more sure word a prophecy. The apostle Paul warned of those false prophets. He said, they're going to preach exactly what you want them to say and what you want to hear. There, there, there will be itching ears wanting to hear what they have to say. He said that these false prophets will masquerade themselves as servants of righteousness. Simon Peter said their teachings are not of God, they're of the devil, not of angels, but of demons. Witness the tragedies of the false prophets in the recent decades. Jim Jones in Guyana, David Koresh in Waco, Marshall Applewhite, Heaven's Gate cult, on and on and on. Great loss comes to those who hitch their wagons to false prophets. And there are many out there that claim to have a word, claim to have an insight, dreams, visions, some whisper from beyond, some anointing. Do you remember? Do you remember it said in the last days there are going to be many Christs uh, chasing this one, chasing that one. Christ means anointed ones. Oh, this one has an anointed. I must run over there and hear what he has to say and what she has to say. And uh, I know they're not living right and doing right and everything, but oh, they have a gift. Uh, you. We ought to get to the place. Oh, boy, I'm about to get in trouble here. Look at your neighbor and say, Pastor, he's, he's about to get in trouble. We need to trust the fruit of the Spirit more than we do the supposed gifts of the Spirit. There, I said it. I said it. It is for out there. It is out there for in perpetuity forever. As long as Facebook can imagine, YouTube can imagine, it is out there there. I, you, you, you give false prophets a little while, and they're going to reveal themselves in one of four ways, one or more of four ways. Paul told the church of Corinth, false prophets, false teachers are known for four things, four things, not all four, maybe one, maybe two, maybe three, maybe four. Number one, they promote themselves. Number two, they drag other people down. They speak evil of dignities, despise any form of authority and structure. Number three, they love money. And number four, what they say is not true. Yeah, four things that identify a false prophet. Here's four things that identify a true prophet. Their words point people to God and not themselves, 1 John 4. Their life matches the word of God, Deuteronomy 13. The fruit of the spirit is first, and then the miracles follow. Galatians 5, and what they say is true, it's yea and amen, Deuteronomy 18. Paul tells us, don't you despise prophesying, prove all things, hold that which is good. In other words, what people prophesy may or may not be true. It needs to be proven, and we need to cling to that which is good. But we got a problem, folks. We got a lot of people prophesying a lot of things, a lot of gash moves out there. 2020 has been a year filled with prophecies, and you and I better be discerning. I've watched people uproot their lives, move halfway around the world because someone said, I had a dream. I had a dream I saw you in a mountain somewhere. People have married or not married people on the words of a supposed prophet. 
Oh, uh, that, that person may not say they're a prophet. They may just say they have a gift. They have an anointing. People, we will search the world over for a word when they've got the living word in their in their lives and they've gotten the, the, the living word in their heart and the written word right before them. And they have pastors, people who have proven themselves, who are known for their character. Trust them. Trust God's word. Don't chase this and that and this and that. The, you, you know what it reveals? It reveals. You remember Jesus said in Matthew 24, 11, that in the last days, many false prophets will arise and many will be deceived. Now, I want you to stop and think about that. Just think about that a moment. Many false prophets arise and many people will be deceived. Did the false prophet deceive the person or was that person already deceived in their own minds? James said that a person is only drawn away when they're enticed by their own lust. It isn't something on the outside that deceives us. It's what's happening on the inside of our hearts. And so this is a good place to talk about Gashmu. When Nehemiah rebuilt Jerusalem, he experienced all sorts of opposition. It was even named Sanballat, Tobiah, they opposed the rebuilding. There was even a group of people, half dozen and all, who came and said, get out off the wall. We want to talk. The six, the Bible says, were from the plain of Oh No. That's it. Oh, no. I, I just like that. I don't want to be from Oh, No. I want to be from a place called Oh, Yes, because everything in Jesus is yay and amen. But boy, I've hung around a lot of oh no people. Yes, yes, I have. Nehemiah's opponents falsely claimed all sorts of things. They questioned his motive. They questioned his building skills. They prophesied that if a fox ran over the wall that he was building, it would fall. They they just generally tried to make his life miserable. Twice they prophesied, you'll never finish this wall. But remember this, for every open door and for every good work, there are many adversaries. Good things are never just handed to you. They require a fight. It's what we call the good fight. These folks had prophesied falsely in chapter 2, chapter 4 of Nehemiah. Four times they had demanded that Nehemiah stop building, but he wouldn't do it. And along comes chapter 6. And they realize if we don't do something, he's going to build this wall. This city's going to be rebuilt. This good thing's going to happen. There's going to be walls. There's going to be gatekeepers. It'll destroy our control, our profit margins. And so this time when they came to him, they said, you've got to stop the building. Gashmu said it. Gashmu said that you are trying to make yourself king. Gashmu said you're going to do this and do that and do this. So come on down and let's discuss what Gashmu said. Nehemiah said, no, no, I don't care what Gashmu supposedly said. You made it up. You're trying to weaken my hands. Now, therefore, oh God, strengthen my hands. Every false prophet, every false prophecy should accomplish two things in your life. First, it should reveal our own heart. If we believe the false, then there's something false on the inside of us that's got to be brought down. Second, if we act on it, we reveal we trust in man more than God. Nehemiah didn't believe it. He believed God. He didn't act on it. He trusted in God. False prophecies should prompt us to turn to God with all of our hearts. If you've lived long enough, 
Oh my, can I get some witnesses here? If you've been in church long enough, yes, you're going to hear people say some pretty foolish things. I, that person, that, that person, this, that person, that they're not going to amount to this. And I'm not saying those people are assuming the role of false prophets, but you need to be careful what you allow yourself to believe, even from people who supposedly are in the faith. Can I get personal here? One of my mentors, E.L. Holly, used to say, uh, he used to ask, can I talk about me to keep from talking about you? And then he would introduce a personal story. So I would get personal here to keep from talking about you. I've had so many false prophecies made over me. Oh, oh, I tell you, it's tales of pain and woe, and I don't want to go into them all. They just prophesied gloom, doom, destruction over me and my family. One guy told me, he said, do not get in your car today and drive. You will be killed in a car wreck. Now, first of all, let me just say, you're always taking a risk when you get in Houston traffic. Um, but I don't believe God works that way. I believe that God goes before me. Uh, I, I, I had someone say, you, you can't buy that house. You can't build that house because I saw, I saw darkness hanging over that house and over your family. Um, folks, God doesn't work that way. I, I, I've had them say, don't go here and don't go there. And uh, I, I saw that if you did this and didn't do that, if you didn't uh, do uh, say this and support me and do this, then horrible things were going to happen to you. Your family was going to be cursed and lost. Can I just get a witness out there right now? I'm not going to live my life based on what Gashmu says based on what false prophets have to say. I've had all sorts of false prophets uh, say things about me, over me. I've even had them say some good things about me. There was one prophecy that said that God was going to give us a new roof on our church, and we needed a new roof at the time, and a man named Higgins was going to give it to us within 30 days. Higgins apparently never got the message, I'm afraid, or I didn't have much faith. I don't know which one it was. I've been cautioned, don't rock the boat. Don't you stand up for truth, Brother Gurley. If you stand up, those people have powerful friends. Well, I've got some powerful friends. I've got a powerful God. And what God says means more to me than what Gashmu has to say. Social media is proliferated with Gashmu's with false prophets, with people trying to stop you doing a good thing. There, there are experts with emoticons out there. There are experts with memes that are designed to discourage you, leave false innuendo, to create suspicion and doubt in your own life. Don't listen to them. God has given you a good work to do. Keep on building. In fact, I'm encouraging you today, this Thanksgiving week, you need to get to the place you thank God for all the false prophets. You know why? Because I thank God for false prophet because it means I'm on the right track and the enemy is angry and I'm making a difference. If you weren't making the enemy mad enough to get some false prophets talking, then I question if you're on the right path at all. I think false prophets are an indicator that you must be doing something right. You must be living right because every every false prophet in my life has caused me to turn to God and say, God, true or no. And when God gives it a thumb down, I say, well, thank you, Lord. I must be on the right 
path. I thank God for false prophets because they're false and what they say isn't true. And the devil is a liar. And when you hear him or someone else used by him whisper something negative to you, believe the exact opposite. If he prophesies doom and gloom, then believe God is doing something better because false prophecies come to those who are doing a good work. But could I get real personal with you right now? How many of you listening to me have heard people say very negative things to you, that you wouldn't amount to much, that you don't matter, that you're invisible, you're incorrigible, you're unhelpable, you're a bad person, or you were going to become one, that you'd never find happiness, that you didn't deserve a good life, you would never have a good marriage, you'd never raise good kids, you'd never find peace, you'd never find contentment. Yeah. There's some people out there that are very miserable that will say things like that to you. But I thank God, and so should you, that there's a better prophecy than Gashmu. God said, God said, I know the plans that I have for you. They're not for evil. They are for good. Rejoice not against me, oh, mine enemy. I may fall, and when I fall, you may whisper over me, and you may tell me that I made a mistake that is unpardonable, and I can never get back to God. But when I fall, I shall arise. And when I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light to me. So what shall it be? Should you believe what Gashmu has to say? Should you believe the false prophecies? Or would you believe the report of God? Trust in God and lean on him. And then even then, you can thank God for all those false prophets because it shows you're walking the fine road. You're on the king's highway. You're moving in the right direction. And then give thanks. Give thanks in everything you do because God has got a sure word of prophecy holding over you. So if Gashmu said something to you, or if Gashmu's got something planned for you this week, you put a smile on your face, you lift your hand, in all things give thanks and say, I want to thank God that what you just said isn't true because I've been to the king and I know he's got something better for me. Leave a prayer request. Share one with another. Thank you for being a part of this today. You make it special. And I believe good things are in store. And hey, I will prophesy a great day ahead of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Join us next time for another inspiring devotion. To support this ministry, please visit firstchurch.com forward slash give. Give.